1: Welcome back Bears fans to another episode of The Chicago Audible. We're midway through the week and it's time to begin looking toward the primetime game that's in store for our 5 and 1 Chicago Bears as they'll be taking on the 4 and 2. L.A. Rams on Monday night. I'm Russell DeWitt. Here with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we're eager to learn more about our upcoming opponent, a team that we face now for three straight years. We will be facing for three straight years in just a few days. So to help us meet the Rams, we have a special guest. He's been on the show for the last couple of years, and that's Derek Ciapala from the Rams Talk Podcast. Derek, long time, no see. How have you been, and uh, how's uh, 2020, and when I ask that question, I already know what's coming my way.
2: Uh, 2020, it's been a train wreck. We talked about oh, this is like a train wreck on steroids. I mean, it's been crazy all across the board. And, you know, I'm like anybody else, it's been a tough year on my end. But uh, I'm glad football's back for that, at least to get that out of the way. And, and uh, I mean, the Bears Rams matchup, you're talking about, to me, two legacy franchises getting ready to go at it. And I, I'll always take that one.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great game. Another, I think, uh, tough matchup like we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And, Nick, I think your question that we have up top is uh, one to really kind of help us kind of set the tone and kind of get the lay of the land. So you want to go ahead and just kind of kick things off or uh, meet the Rams?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, Derek, I think the Bears, they get a lot of criticism for the opponents they have played this season. Detroit, the New York Giants, Atlanta. But the Rams' four wins have come against the NFC East, and we don't have to go into in-depth analysis about the NFC East. So I just kind of want to know, how is this Rams team being perceived by the media, the fans, even yourself, just based off of the teams that they have beaten so far this season? You mean the NFC least? (laughs) Basically.
2: I mean, mean, the the Rams are a little bit of a mystery, I think. When they've been good— they've looked phenomenal and they've looked like a team that could make it deeper on the playoffs when they've not been so good. They've looked like the same team that had struggles last year. And so when people point out, well, the Rams 4-0 against the NFC least, and 2 against other teams, I look at it and go, okay, well, in those performances against the NFC lease, what was the status of those two teams then? In week one with the Cowboys, the Cowboys were a team that were still together. They still had all their, all their parts. They still you know that was a, if you watch that game on national TV, that was actually a good football game. One of the better ones you're gonna find for a week one game, quite frankly. Next week out they absolutely dominate the Eagles. An Eagles team that has talent on their home field. So when you look at those two games, you can go, you know what, that's a good football team. Then you go to the Buffalo game and think, what the frickin' heck was that in the first half? That, and then you that's when you can be reminded of, what, of how bad this team can be when things don't go their way. And then, of course, in the second half, they come back and they just destroy the Bills' defense for falling short. So what we're really seeing with this team is a team that that will oftentimes play up to their opponents, and sometimes they'll play down their opponents. And because of that, you don't really know. And I think a lot of that comes with youth. People don't realize this Rams team now has a second Youngest team in the league. And when you think, well, I got Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey, and you think these are all stars or veterans. Yes, absolutely. But that be, there's a price to that, and that price comes with the fact that when you have a top-heavy team, you better draft well. And so this team has been stockpiling second, third, fourth, fifth-round picks now for the last couple of drafts. Trying, And they're developing these guys quite well, to be honest with you. The number of players on the team in the last couple of years that have left not made it from the draft, it's it's abnormally low in the rest of the NFL. So when you look at that, I just think what you're seeing is a team that has a high ceiling and it's got a low floor and it's all wrapped in one roster.
1: Now, Derek, uh, let's look at your offense here for just a little bit. And I actually want to begin with the ground game because uh, unlike in the past when you had you know, Todd Gurley, the guy to be the one end-all, be-all running back, this season it looks like you are doing a more by-committee approach. Henderson has about 350 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. You also have Malcolm Brown. He has two scores and 200 yards himself. Second-round pick, you're talking about it. You need to keep drafting over there. Cam Akers, he's getting into the mix as well. Um, it does look like as the season's wearing on, things are leaning towards more of Henderson becoming that guy, but... As we're entering this week, what's your take of the Rams' rushing attack and how the running backs are being used, what they bring to the table, and what we should expect from it on
2: Monday night? I think the Rams are dramatically underusing the running backs. Uh, part of that may have come because of Cam maker's injury. He he missed a little bit of time, and are still try and get him back on the rotation. Uh, the, none of these guys has the talent of Todd Gurley and speak they're they're not they're not like the elite of the elite of the elite but every single one of them has something that makes them in my view every single one of those three guys can be a thousand yard rusher in this league and i really believe that i've believed that for a long time about malcolm brown and, and when he does get certain opportunities he'll show that to you he's a power guy he will go for the extra yard he'll make a move and you get Cam Akers there, who's going to be great out of the backfield, uh, good speed, good vision coming out from the backfield into the open field. And then I look at Daryl Henderson, who to me is kind of a star in the making in that he has so many different tools, and he seems to get better in terms of every part of his game the more chances you give him. And I think that's what, if you combine that, those three running backs together, you have a chance to, hear, to have a team that can really wear teams down, that can really break down defenses and not put Jared Goff in positions where he has to win football games. The problem is, while this Rams team is built to run the football, Sean McVay wants to throw.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about that passing attack. 15th in the NFL in yards per game, about 253, but they are fourth in yards per attempt. And uh, Jared Goff, this season's been efficient. He's hitting a higher percentage of throws. I think it's actually uh, one of the highest that he's had in his entire career at about 67% clip. Uh statistically he's looking a lot more like the twenty eighteen Jared Goff than the twenty nineteen, which I'm sure that makes you excited. So I want to know, you know, what's the driving force behind the success? And I know Nick, as we're looking at Jared's Goff season, I know you have a big uh caveat that you want to kind of throw in our way as we kind of frame it for this week specifically.
3: Well, is Nick yeah. wanna throw the caveat first? Is that is that it? Let's let's set it up here, Derek, because Jared Bring Goff it. is having a better season, but against the Bears and in those two games, the past two years, he has not performed very well. You just look at his numbers, 2019, 11 of 18, 173 yards, one interception. The Rams do win, 17 to 7. 2018, 20 of 44, 180 yards, no touchdowns, and four interceptions, the Rams lose. So I guess what are you expecting, really, from Goff, given this season and also the two years prior to how he's performed against the Bears in this matchup on Monday night? Well,
2: I'm, I'm going to kind of look back on the 2019 game and, and call that on you a little bit because that game was a specific game plan. Jared Goff wasn't going to be throwing 30 passes that day unless he had to be. The Rams executed their third game plan that day to a T. They wanted to keep the ball out of Chicago's hands. They wanted to wear down the Bears defense, try to wear out any kind of rush they are going to bring at them. And they were going to try and push up on the line, and that's what they did. So 11-18, 173, they were happy with that because of what they were able to do in terms of controlling the terms of the game. Now, if I go back to 2018, this is a, my big nightmare with the Bears, and that is that they were able to bring pressure from all sides. They were able to really put – at that point in 2018, Goff hadn't seen a whole lot of pressure. Detroit brought some the week before, and that's where he started seeing some kind of signs of this game plan that beat the Sean McVay offense. And the Bears perfected it. I mean, the Bears – defense that day was phenomenal and that's where we found that, that the key to beating the rams then now is always going to be stopping the run force the rams to have to throw the more they have to throw the more chance of a rush is gained there and now you're putting Goff in a position where he cannot rely on what he's best at which is play which is play action and i kind of have a problem with even some of our own fan base a little bit on that, they, they are hard on Goff. And I just keep thinking back. I remember, I don't think I'm comparing the two in terms of talent because Peyton Manning was, is, to me, a top five quarterback in NFL history. And I don't see Jared Goff as becoming that. He may. I mean, he, the, the talent, the arm talent's there. But Peyton Manning lived off the play action. Peyton Manning was a guy who, he, once you got him at and James, his whole career changed. So, I I kind of push back on the Jared Goff criticism because every young quarterback needs a running game, and if you're really great at play action, why wouldn't you build around build a roster around play action to help him foster that talent? So, I, I'm in terms of Jared Goff, the Bears win this game if they do what they did in 2018: bring pressure, shut down the running game, force McVay to do what McVay does in some situations, which is abandon the run instead of focusing on the run.
1: Now for the Bears, we've had a hard time stopping the run this year compared to some previous seasons, which I think could open things up a little bit for you guys. Uh, In terms of applying pressure on golf, I think Nick and I, you know, watching these games over the last couple of years, just like you, Derek, that's a key. Uh, So when you're looking at your offensive line, uh, how do you feel about it in terms of how they stack up against the Bears? Are there any problem issues up front? Any players specifically you think the Bears have a chance of? I'll say exposing, but how about just taking advantage of? Uh,
2: The tackles. I mean, you know, we have a great left tackle. Who's ageless at this point. Andrew Woodward's been phenomenal. But he's been getting caught some penalties here and there. Dumb ones. Things he probably should be called for, but a little thing here and there he kinda gets it. Uh, on the right hand side, that's where I see I have more concerns. The Rob Hannistein and whoever else step in there. Pannenstein got hurt last year, and never, was never really the same when he got back. That said, this Rams offensive line is but be, is better than last year's offensive line. And they are getting more push. I still think they have lots of room to grow. But if you're going to attack this Rams offensive line right now, I'm, I'm saying yeah, get to the tackles. Uh, Whitworth's been great. He's not 25 years old anymore either. Get good power. Not, not good power. Good, good speed rush off the edge on him. And he's going to have his struggles. So – I mean, pick that what it's worth. I, I just think the Rams aren't gonna focus on that. I think the Rams are gonna zero in on the run. I think the Rams are gonna have really big they're gonna have a chip on the shoulder. They know they messed up with, with the 49ers. They know that they abandoned the running game too early and put the team in a bad position. And I, I look for them to try and establish the run early.
3: Yeah, Derek, now to kind of transition to that Rams defense, a guy that Bears fans are going to be familiar with seeing on the field is Leonard Floyd. He has the second most tackles for loss with four for the Rams and has the second most sacks with two behind, of course, Aaron Donald. What has been your assessment of Leonard Floyd this season? Inconsistent. Fair. Sounds about I mean, right.
2: Inconsistent. He's great some days. He's not some others. And, and and honestly, when I talk with Bears people when the signing happened, i that was the feel i had for him. It didn't shock me i think i remember when we talked last year will i think you, when the such load of leonard floyd came up you told me inconsistent you know and i see i see talent there i see pass rush talent there the problem with the rams right now defensively with leonard floyd and with the entire pass rushes are not consistent behind aaron dome when they get consistent and actually provide a threat beyond Aaron Donald, then this defense can develop into something special.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about uh, Leonard Floyd? It seems like they drop him in coverage too a decent amount, which is something that kind of baffled us for some time in Chicago, but it seems like it's a skill set he has and defenses want to utilize.
2: They have to actually. Okay. They have to. I mean, the, their inside linebackers are a train wreck. Okay, and some of it is youth, and some of it is lack of athleticism. Michael Kaiser's inside the middle right there, and he is a tackling machine, but he's also a guy who makes a lot of mistakes. his angles, makes a lot of mistakes getting the plays. Basically, he's a youth. He's young, and he lacks athleticism. That forces the Rams to have to change what they're doing with guys behind beside him, and that's going to be Floyd Alls. That's going to be going out there and ca- pass cards once in a while. And another part is deception. They want to try and create some deception on the defensive line uh, in the front seven to provide some pass rush opportunities elsewhere. And sometimes it worked, and a lot of times it doesn't.
1: So with Aaron Donald, we have to talk about him. Uh, He's playing at an ungodly level yet again. Is this the best that you've seen him play so far? No. No?
2: No. And I'd say the year he got 20 and a half was the best I've seen and, you know, this year, it's kind of hard to get a good judgment on him because, like, I mean, in even times last year, he hasn't had a whole lot of support. Like, you know, you have Michael Brockers in the line, a former first-round pick, and you would think that this guy would be able to help provide some pressure there. He doesn't. You drafted Greg Gaines a couple years ago developmental tackle, and he hasn't become what you need him to be. You, Sebastian Joseph Day is improving. He's, a, he's an NFL starter, in my view, but he has not really passed, provided a pass rush with him. And so you're putting Aaron Donald in a position where teams are going to double, triple, and sometimes even quadruple team him and just neutralize him and not worry about a pass rush coming elsewhere. So you don't really to see and enjoy how good he is because a lot of times I'm seeing him stood up the line because he's taken on four dudes. And that's kind of the shame of it. And then the 20-and-a-half sack here, he had people with him that could provide – a rush at different angles, and now you don't get that.
1: Yeah, I can understand why that is limiting. Uh, Just looking at your front seven, you mentioned the inside linebacker is probably the weakness there, but um, in terms of playing as a unit, uh, just outside the top 10 against the run, you have 20 sacks already this year, 26 tackles for a loss this season already.
2: What was that? Fool's gold. Fool's gold? Fool's gold. Don't buy into it? Well, and the reason being is that a lot of those numbers came against the Redskins, against that weak sauce, Redskins offensive line. And that was one of the times that, where the Rams had gotten out to a big enough lead to where they could take some risks and really kind of push people. Like they had um, True Reader, who, by the way, is absolutely horrid most of the time in the middle, but they were able to bring him to the line and work on his pass rushing in. And that's what opened up a lot of things for Aaron Donald. So it's really only specific situations are as dominant as they look. The, the rush defense is actually hot garbage. Teams don't run against them. And I don't know why. they When they do, teams will get yardage on them. And I've seen this throughout the year over and over again. Teams will get yardage on them, and they'll back off. When I would be attacking you hard, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they want if they feel they need to challenge Jalen Ramsey. I think they feel encouraged that they can't – that. Aaron Donald's not getting pressure, but they're staying away. And what the 49ers did on the flip side of it, they had some running some running lanes, but then they found the short passing game worked much better. Kept the pass rush off Jimmy G, and they were able to just do what they want. It's equivalent cool of a running game.
1: That's why we bring you on because then we can learn to see what is uh, truth and what is not based of just from our vantage point all the way over here in Chicago. And, Derek, you mentioned teams are passing on you more than they are running, and maybe that's a good thing for opponents or not. When you're looking at your secondary, uh, it seems like you're outside corners. Again, seems like you can tell me what it actually is. Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey, they're playing well is how I would classify it. Williams with the two picks, leads the team in PBUs. When you're looking at your secondary as a whole, what's the strength? What's what's the weakness? And uh, just curious if you're just general assessment.
2: Taylor wraps the weakness right now. And it shouldn't really be that way. He's a second round pick who played very well last year. But, you know, he's not a prototypical safety where he is. He's going to be more of an in-the-box kind of guy, guy who will hit, guy who will make some plays. And he's been out of assignment quite a bit. So Jordan Fuller... The late-round pick from, from Ohio State, go Buckeyes. Um, he came in and basically took Raph's job in training camp. And everybody's like, well, where'd this come from? Well, he showed it right away. Week one, week two, then he got hurt. And now he's on in the, in the IR. And that has really hurt the Rams secondary. Jalen is as good as advertised. He's better now than he was at any point last season. Troy Hill has developed into a fine corner, and Darius Williams is an absolute find as an undrafted free agent. So you have good corners, you have one good safety in John Johnson who can change a game, and then you got Taylor Rapp who has all the talent in the world but hasn't put together yet in the passing game.
1: Good to know there. Now, a couple more things I want to find out how much weight we should put in. Uh, I did notice that the Rams haven't allowed a second half touchdown since week three. Uh, I know you had Alex Smith. Uh, with his uh, at Washington, you had the Giants and then you had the 49ers last week, which weren't really putting you know their full foot on the gas pedal. Um, should we take stock in the Rams ability to make some defensive adjustments at halftime or is this more just coincidental with the opponents?
2: It's not coincidental. They're very good. The adjustments, they're very good. If this game is close at halftime, um, I would expect an absolute war in the second half, and a lot of pressure from the Bears. The way for the Bears to win this game is to come out with their heads on fire and put the Rams in a position where they have to try and come back. If they can do that where the Rams are trying to come back, the Bears have a much better chance of winning this game. If the Rams can go in halftime with with it pretty close or with the lead, it's going to get a lot tougher for them because they are very good at adjustments. This Rams coaching staff, as young as they are, they have their flaws. I'm more than willing to call out McVeigh on someone with flaws. But when it comes to adjustments – They've gone from eh to very good in one season.
1: Interesting to know. And on top of that, a defense is only allowing 19 points per game, fifth in the NFL. I know we've talked about the opponents a lot that you face, and I don't want to make that a common theme here. So can you just tell us the how behind that number? Like what's that defense's like identity and how are they suffocating offenses and keeping them out of the end zone?
2: For the Rams right now, it's hard to say. They're, to me, their most impressive defensive performance this year was the Cowboys game, and that was in week one. That was a, that was an offense that had weapons. They had a great game plan. It, so you come out, they shut the Eagles down the following week, but, you know, Wentz has never been the same since he got hurt. You look at the Bills, and they really did a great job in the, in the Bills getting, getting pressure, adjustments. So it's it's really hard to say with this Rams defense. They're not very good against the run. They're not going to be very good against the run. They don't have the, the – the, with them being so top-heavy in salary, they're not able to go out there and go get a monster in the middle of their defense to be that guy. They have to develop them. So I think what really sets them apart is in critical situations, guys have made plays. Whether it's been John Johnson or Jordan Fuller or Jalen Ramsey, they've made plays. Their corners will tackle. They don't hot. They don't run from contact. Their safety will tackle. So they're a team that will get in there and try and break up a pass play. They'll get in there. They'll get an interception. So that's what's really made the Rams' defense good. Now, if if they by chance find some kind of miracle in the middle. And create some pass rush, then they can become great.
3: You know, Derek, I kind of wanted to talk about Brandon Staley, who Bears fans should be familiar with. Was on team 2017, part of the 2018 team that had that phenomenal defense. And you just kind of mentioned like this Rams defense it has ups and downs, but makes plays in crucial moments. What has been your just your assessment of Brandon Staley's job as a defensive coordinator for the for the Rams?
2: I think it's still up in the air. I like a lot of the things he's done in terms of what he's done a good job of covering the team's weaknesses. Um, I'm still waiting to see how these young guys develop under him before I really kind of make a judgment call. I'll say his adjustments have been very good. Or you know, a lot of questions were asked. Why would the Rams let Wade Phillips go? Well, I don't know. I mean, has Wade Phillips caught on with anybody else by chance? I don't think so. I mean, that I think should say something, and I don't want to, in any kind of way to disparage Wade Phillips. So Wade Phillips is focusing on fundamentals, but when it came down to critical games last year, like the Dallas game, like the Baltimore game, like the Tampa game, in all those situations, the Rams got blown off the ball, and they did not make any real adjustments in-game. So I think what we've seen with Staley is what we heard from McVay when he hired Staley, was he wanted a coordinator who can match – up with people schematically make adjustments and basically find some who fits more his mold, not just work on fundamentals, but work work in the chess game as well. And I, I think they found that in Staley. I'm not sure if Staley's is going to be a long-term answer. I know that when the team hired him, I know some of the experts out there kind of questioned um, his actual abilities defensive coordinator. We'll find out, but I think he's done a solid job in being the guy who makes adjustments and, and gets some things done.
1: Derek, let's kind of take a step back, look at the entire team as a whole. Um, Are there any under-the-radar names to keep an eye out for offense, defense? Uh, I know people know about Cup and Woods. Uh, I know uh, one of my 2017 draft crushes, uh, Josh Reynolds, seems to be putting together uh, a pretty decent start to the season compared to what he's done so far in his career, which makes me happy. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen this week. But uh, is there any other uh, under-the-radar names that Bears fans should just kind of be aware of heading into this game?
2: Oh, there's a few. Troy Reader on defense is basically a guy who, when forced to to man the middle is is, is he's awful, okay? But when you adjust him somewhere, put him in a Pacific and rush the passer he becomes dangerous. And I look at John Johnson, the bag at safety. He's not talked about a whole lot, but he does. Find a way to make plays in critical situations, and he's not gonna be talked about a whole lot when you got Jalen Ramsey out there in the secondary. Offensively, you got a cast characters that. Any week, the names will change. You know, one week it's gonna be Cooper Cup, the next week it's it's, it's Robert Woods, the next week the guy who hurt you was Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett. The thing that's great about this Rams offense when it's on. Is they got forty different ways to kill you? We have a lot of talent on that offense, and so it kind of makes it very difficult to to answer that question fairly because they have like forty daggers. They don't have a long sword that would just kill, kill you in one shot, okay? But they got like forty different daggers that can hurt you. I guess a name to watch out for. Sooner or later, the Rams are really going to turn him loose to Van Jefferson. That's you got to keep an eye on, I think, because he wowed his team in camp and he just hasn't really been used all that much yet. He's a future of this team's receiving core. All
1: right. Uh, is there anything else, Derek, uh, across the board that we haven't hit on yet that you think bears
2: fans should know about
1: heading into the Rams game Monday night?
2: I, I would watch, the Rams' demeanor or in this game, or so, you know, my my partner in crime on Rams Radio, is former Rams defensive back Michael Stewart, and he pointed out some things with Aaron Donald in terms of kind of where he was in the game, in terms of sometimes taking a whole series off against the 49ers, and and he kind of found that off-putting, and we saw all the same kind of stuff last year for Todd Gurley before Todd Gurley moved on, and they're like, well, Mike, you're nuts. And I don't, I'm don't. i not sure I really buy what Mike is trying to say there, that there might be some dissension with the Rams and Aaron Donald. But it's something to keep an eye on because, I mean, it's at least worth observing and see if maybe there's something there. I, do I believe it? No, but he does, and I trust Mike a lot. Well,
1: you have to trust your co-hosts, uh, and I understand. As mu- as difficult as that may be. Oh, wait, Nick, you're still here, are you? <laughs> Uh, He's just nodding in agreement Uh, for those listening, wondering why Nick's silent. Uh, He's just nodding over there. So Derek, uh, you've been on the show for a couple of years now. So you know the drill. We're going to wrap things up here. It's my patented uh, two-part question to wrap up the show. First part is, uh, why do you believe the Rams will win here on Monday night?
2: I don't know that I do. I I like that answer. uh, The Bears are always a problem team for them and their defense provides some unique issues for the Rams' offense. Uh, so I don't know if they win. If they do win, they come out and they keep the game close early. They they can, they can control a lot of the clock with the running game. They force the Bears to really, really go at the Rams' offense, try and slow them down, get some minutes on time possession. If the Rams do that, they have a great chance to win this game.
1: All right, flip side. Uh, what's going to take for the Rams to lose, Bears to win? I think you sprinkled that almost with every answer throughout the show, um, but got to make it official.
2: For the Bears to win this game, it's going to be pressuring Jared Goff, and on offense, it's going to be the running game. This is going to be a time of possession thing. Whichever team in this game can get a hold of the football, control it, and really wear out the opposing defense is going to win this game. And that's why I think the Bears are probably favored. The Bears, can, I think, are better suited to really wear out the Rams and the Rams are the Bears.
1: All right. Hey, Derek, this is a lot of fun. Like always, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on our show to help us, I say meet the Rams, but doing this, it almost feels like we're divisional opponents with uh, at least one game every season so it's more like revisiting or just catching up
0: on finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time save up to 500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at temperpedic.com.
1: Other uh, The Rams, but like I said, lots of fun as always. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, up next, Nick and I will return for our weekly in-depth game preview podcast. Make sure to rate, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word of our show. We'll talk to you soon, but until next time, bear down, Chicago. <laughs> All right, so Nick, remember we did the little Easter egg at the end of the last show. Uh, We did the Griswold hat kind of giveaway, which was something I've always kind of wanted to do. And myself grabbing that hat definitely led to a little bit more of a driving force behind us doing something like this at the tail end of an episode. But you want to guess how long it took for someone to actually uh, submit Griswold? Because I was pretty shocked.
3: So after you published the podcast, I gave it within the first three minutes Someone was already reaching out to be like, hey, Griswold. No, it was an hour and a half episode. They have to at least listen to it to the end. It was about three hours. Um, But by
1: the time you publish it and all the podcast players find the episode and put it on the app, I thought that was uh, pretty impressive. And when I woke up on Monday morning, I had a handful of people on Facebook, Twitter, and in my inbox. A lot of people gave it a try, which was pretty neat. Uh, So people do listen to us, Nick. Uh, We're not just two guys talking Bears football. Well, we are, but we have people listening but we do have a winner his name is justin and he's gonna have his hat here actually should have arrived today uh wednesday october 21st Uh, mine will be here tomorrow which i'm excited about which is crazy because it went from ohio justin's from california he got his before me and i live in indiana which is right next to ohio so the
3: mail system is weird it definitely is um i've always been getting like a couple packages far earlier than expected but it is a strange system and the only reason i said three minutes because i figured someone must have would have just gone all the way at the end and like hey wait what is this for no reason people just people are weird but it's <laughs> i guess not that weird but i'm glad that people are listening and again this will be an incentive you gotta listen to the entire podcast you never know what could be at the end maybe nothing but maybe something special
1: i have some cool ideas uh, like scavenger hunts where maybe we tell people like a website to go to and looking for keywords which may direct them somewhere else i don't know i'm not a you know a, a sleuth or a smith at making scavenger hunts but i get excited by the thought of it or maybe we can put like fun buzzwords in the episode like we randomly say like avocado and then they have to first one to like mention the minute mark of like the keyword win something kind of cool maybe we need to do some chicago audible mugs i know i've been playing around with a few designs so something to keep a mind on but yes i want to thank everyone who reached out and tried and nick did you also see that uh, sports iq ranked us as the third highest rated media entity behind
3: like fox sports like isn't that just nuts I did see that. That's awesome that we are, you know, one, picking the right games and also are just being recognized within some of the big, you know, media companies in this industry. It was awesome to see.
1: Yeah. Like having the graphic, it was like Fox Sports and then another pod and then our logo and then having Barstow on there and some other ESPNs. I mean, that was kind of cool to, I, I saved that graphic on my phone. So that's one like I'm going to stash away and you never know what that may be able to help us out with in the future. Uh, Speaking of help, I think my wrist needs a little bit (laughs) soon. uh, Thank you cards are on a little bit of a hold. Uh, Something else that's having a hard time getting to me. Uh, I know I've had a few people probably wondering, hey, Will, where's my thank you card? It's on the way, I promise. Uh, We made a custom design for it. It wasn't like I went to like Target and picked up blank thank you cards. Like we got a Chicago Audible branded card design executed, just waiting for them to reach my house and then turning the table and sending those out. Uh, Obviously, a lot more fun things in the future. And speaking of fun items, the last thing I want to mention before we actually leave the show is that you got to meet my man crush earlier today, and I'm still so jealous about it.
3: Yeah, well, so right when I got to Bears Fit, I saw some guys kind of working out on the artificial turf field, and they were some big dudes. And I I don't know who the other two guys were, but as I start to, I guess, creep closer to, you know, work out on the, the equipment there... I noticed it was Jalen Johnson working out and, you know, just doing some field work, pushing the sled, running a modified 40-yard dash. It's not quite 40 yards in there, but Jalen Johnson, man, he is built, he's fast, he's fluid, and he's just a nice guy. I got to talk to him for a little bit, mentioned that I talked to his cornerback's coach, Sharif Shaw, you know, brought up some stories about him and just his college days at, at Utah. So really good guy he does have the Chicago Audible business card, and I made sure like, hey, um, how can I reach you? He's like, I will contact you, Nick. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. But it was really cool just to run into him, and I, I don't know if I even told you this earlier, Will, but uh, the day of the Bears-Panthers game, or the day before, I saw Javon Wims at Dick's Sporting Goods, so I'm just kind of running into Bears players more and more often, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, but that, I mean, seeing Jalen Johnson and seeing what he's done this season it was it was an it was a cool experience for sure.
1: And you didn't tell him that he's my draft crush, he owns my heart, or anything that I told you to tell him. When you're like, "Well, I think I'm seeing Jalen," I'm texting you like, "You better tell him just how much he means to me." But you failed to do so. Like, are you trying to make sure we do that on like the pod because you felt uncomfortable relaying the information? All you had to do was, you know, check yes or no in the box. And then I hand it over to you. Uh, I thought you would have checked yes, but uh, I guess I have to wait another day.
3: You know, I wanted to save that moment for when he does come on the podcast so you can just let it all out there, and, you know, you can have that moment. I don't want to spoil that for you, Will, so that's why I refrained from, you know, telling him everything that you told me to tell him.
1: All right. Well, hey, thank you again, Justin, for being the Griswold winner. uh, For those still listening, Uh, Hopefully you appreciate a little bit of this extra back and forth between Nick and I. And again, I think we're going to make this maybe not a staple of every podcast, but something that we'll do here uh, quite often. So stick around for that and adios. All right. That works for me. Works for you. Yeah.